more people engaged in what you're doing, your live events okay. on your Facebook Live as well as on here on Anchor. I know you had a lot to say about certain things that were happening in the political world as well as in the uh, uh, social world as well. <laughs> so um, you put it in my well, sure. What I, what, what, I, what I can talk about is this. Um, things change, but in Trump world, it's a day-to-day thing. But there are three things that are going on that we could have talked about three weeks ago that are going on now. Of course, the impeachment hearing. Um, Congress is going to uh, resume their sessions on Tuesday. But for the last two weeks while they've been out, all the committees have been working. They've been uh, talking to different people. Been, they've been trying to get different people to interview. Some of them have been stoned by the White House and some of them have been allowed to interview. For example, the recent um, ambassador to Ukraine, I can't remember her name offhand, she testified on Friday and she pretty much sent the Trump administration and Giuliani down the toilet um, because they were trying to get her to co-sign with what they were doing regarding Ukraine and regarding the Joe Biden situation and she wouldn't do it. So they basically dumped her out of there. So she's one of the few people that are speaking the truth. But for the most part, the rest of them are staying uh, status quo with the Trump administration and not talking. Um, Another thing that's happened is that the Republicans, very few of them, some of them talk like Mitt Romney's talking. uh, Ben Sass is talking a little bit. A couple of others, Lindsey Graham, he flip flops from one side to another. But the truth is, you know, they're, they're sticking with the plan, too, and, and, and trying to keep this man in office. And it, it's a crazy thing out here where if this was any other president that basically traded against this country, given country inside secrets to other countries to allow, you know, what's happening in Syria right now, um, basically have as, as uh, pawned the Russian interest for the last three years, he'd be out of there. We wouldn't be even have a question. So. I have an issue with both the Republicans and the Democrats. I just told you the Republican view. The Democratic view is, what's, what, what is taking Nancy Pelosi so long? You already have the Mueller report. You already have the fact that the Mueller report, even though they couldn't communicate that correctly, demonstrated that he committed 10 acts of obstruction of justice. And even though they couldn't approve the quote-unquote collusion, If people would have read the Mueller report, it was never about collusion. It was conspiracy. And the only reason that they couldn't prove the conspiracy was that the people in, again, like now, the people in the Trump administration refused to interview. And of course, we know Mueller is a Republican who has long contacts to both Donald Trump and and Bill Barr. So people had to understand he was trying to protect his own pension when he was up there, you know, a few months ago testifying. So. But like I said, the Democrats probably have more information about what Trump's done from day one in office than what what the, uh, what the Democrats had 45 years ago on Richard Nixon. It's, it's time to act. And to be honest, I get more frustrated day in and day out. So I'm going to announce on your show, the Doc Freeman show, something that I announced on more of you a couple of weeks ago. And that's this. I'm going to vote Democrat for the 2020 election in order to get rid of Trump. So I don't care who the Democratic nominee is. So basically what I'm saying is this. After the first Tuesday in in June that I vote for whoever the Democratic candidate is, and to be honest, and I'll let people know, right now I'm leaning toward Elizabeth Warren, but who knows what's going to happen eight months from now. And I'm not a a predictor of that. But like I said, I'm willing to support the Democrat because I'll do anything to get Trump out of there. 
But I think right now as a people, we need to focus on the man's criminal acts because he makes Nixon look like an angel right now. And we need to get him out of office. I always get arguments on, on my site um, and on more of you about, oh, well, that means Mike Pence is going to be president. That's going to be terrible. Look, the Republicans are in for president. They're going to be in until January of 2021, no matter what happens. This, this whole ridiculous thing about Nancy Pelosi's going to be president, not going to happen. It's going to be a Republican. It may happen where they get somebody out of Congress uh, like they did Gerald Ford 45 years ago, and that person may end up being president. We don't know what's going to happen for the next few months. But whoever that person is, they would at least reflect the rule of law, meaning they're not going to go against when, when Congress appropriates money and go out there and take money from another source to build a, a dumb wall. They're going to follow the law, whatever that is. If, if Congress rules on something that's against them or they veto them, most of the time they will honor it and they'll move on to something else. Hopefully that person understands. And even, even though I don't like Mike Pence's policies, he has been a governor. He has been a four-time congressman. He knows the rule of law and they will respect it. This is the first president in our lifetime that has actually had a Hitler or totalitarian attitude toward everything and think he's above it. And he's a danger to our country. You see what he's doing in Syria. And now he's sending uh, troops over there in Saudi Arabia to help them fight uh, the, the, uh, the, the Iraqis. It's crazy. Who knows what he's going to do next? He's already been responsible for killing hundreds of people. And we're not even going to talk about the hate crimes that's happened here. It's just time that he needs to go. So that's my first rant. Ready for my second? Please. Yeah, let's have it. <laughs> second is about the Amber Geiger case. Um, Obviously, if you've been following it, you had uh, Joshua Brown, who was a, a, a main uh, who, who was a main witness in the case. Now, about maybe what about ten days ago, I believe, he got shot and killed, and he got got shot and killed under the strangest circumstances. I don't know if y'all know the story. Do, do y'all know it? Yes. Yeah, I heard a little bit about it during the Geiger case, right? And their uh, their key witness. You know, all of a sudden, coming up, let's just call it for what it is, murdered. Right. You know, they're saying that the guy came all the way from Louisiana, all the way to Texas, just to purchase weed. 18 pounds, to be precise. That's right. That's right. When in Louisiana already, um, marijuana has has been legalized. Exactly. uh, To where it can be sold in dispensaries. So that part didn't add up. It just did not sound right. All you got to do is walk through the middle of New Orleans or Baton Rouge and you're home free. Yeah. And and the fact that the man that they shot Joshua Brown in the mouth after a so-called drug deal go bad, that that sounds something out of a gangland shooting. So what that leads me to believe, um, I know, you know, I, I actually did. I get I sometimes when I do more of you, I do reporting, which means I try to get the facts if something doesn't sound right. So I went around to a lot of people when I got that story. Um, some people that are actually in Dallas to try to get some facts. A lot of people told me that I need to shut up or else I was going to be a target. I don't really give a damn. <laughs> so the facts that I got was that Brown was a drug dealer and he was a well-known drug dealer and he was out there. But it, it still didn't make any sense. Why the gangland shooting? And like you said, Kevin, why did those guys have to, have to 
travel hundreds of miles to a different state to get weed when it's legal in their own state. So there's a whole lot that doesn't make sense. Now, a lot of people that I talk to want to target this on the Dallas police. Some people want to even go sinister and say this was, in essence, a gangland shooting and that it was mafia. I don't know what the truth is. I just know that it's strange. I know that he was scheduled to testify if, in fact, Geiger decides to appeal her sentence. But this whole thing was strange from the beginning. And uh, I actually did a podcast about a week ago on it. And even um, and I did it because I remember seeing the family on Dr. Phil's show. And I was saying, what are they doing on Dr. Phil's show? They Aren't they supposed to be in mourning and, or, you know, basically, okay, they can celebrate the fact that Geiger went to prison, albeit 10 years is not a lot. And she'll probably get out less than five of good behavior, but that's better than what Rodney King got. And that's better than what a lot of people um, of our people that got uh, that, pretty much assassinated got when it comes to police. But the fact that they seem to be publicizing this, the fact that they seem to, you know, the hugs and everything with, you know, in the court, I had actually said this. And like I said, you can listen to my podcast, which is also an anchor. It's called More View Live. Yeah, we, we were talking about, I believe it was Joshua Brown. Is that yeah. the brother's yeah, name? Yeah, I was going to rant about the whole case and why I believe um, that they knew each other. You heard that part? I heard. actually believe that, mm-hmm. um, that uh, Bonham John and, and, and Amber Geiger knew each other. And I stated the facts of why I believe that they knew each other prior to that shooting. Oh, why would that be? Well, one, if you, if you look at the total thing, right, she supposedly mm-hmm. entered an apartment that she didn't know whose apartment it was. I mean, from a normal standpoint, if you're, I, I've done it before. I've, I've gone to somebody else's door and put my key in the, in, in the lock. Not really, really. I don't know if I was drunk or whatever I was at the time. I wasn't paying attention and realized that I, I wasn't in. And I looked up and I said, oh, yeah, this is not my place. There's always something after about a minute or so. And when you enter somebody's place by accident, you know it's not your place. I think right. exactly where she was going. The second thing is that Bonham John himself was sitting there eating ice cream. Now, I understand that later on they had, you know, some type of argument and then she then she shot him. But from what the reports that I saw said, he didn't do anything. He just sat there and, and, and ate his ice cream. Now, if somebody's going to step into your house and you don't know who that person is, wouldn't you raise up and, and, and start questioning that person or do something? That's a good theory. That's a good theory. You know, another thing I was thinking. What's that? As well, uh, maybe she came in weapon drawn already. Sure, that's possible. That's possible. But and maybe he also had seen her in uniform and, and just thought, just like any of us else would, um, I better keep doing what I'm doing or just keep my hands visible so I don't get shot. That's possible, but I I, I think that there's, there's more likely that they knew each other because remember, they lived in the same apartment building. He lived, she lived right on top of him. Um, and then, mm-hmm. and then like the, the, um, the whole family's whole thing about, you know, and it made me think about it when I was watching them last week and I don't trust me, I don't watch Dr. Phil that much. I don't even respect the man, but I happened to, my mother watches Dr. Phil. So I happened to see the show and the fact that they were on there and I thought, why mm-hmm. would they be on Dr. Phil? Okay. They just, there was just a big, you know, trial that ended and yes, it ended in their favor somewhat. 
Um, but Amber Geiger got 10 years. Maybe she'll do five with good behavior. But, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it's time to just go on yourself. Why are they promoting? Why are they kind of like promoting themselves over, if you know, their son's death, in essence? You know, it, it just it just reeks strange. And then the behavior of the son and the father after the trial to be hugging her. I still, I mean, there's a lot that we don't know, but what I got said, based on what I do see, I know I've been, I've heard, I heard rumors about them long right after the shooting. So this is not something that, you know, has been thought about, you know, just after the trial. They, I, some people thought that they were romantically involved. I can't go that far because I haven't seen the information that that's true, but I do believe that they knew each other, but I don't, I didn't have any information on that. And I can't prove mm-hmm. that, but I think there's enough information that they actually knew each other prior to the shooting and that they had some sort of relationship. And I believe that also the family knew who she was, but I believe that they're really not talking about it because they're trying to protect the deceased reputation because he was a man of God and heavily involved in the church. And maybe if they knew that he had some type of friendship or possibly romantic relationship with a, a white cop, that that would affect, you know, his reputation. Now, the other thing, and I think this is where we got cut off again, um, was I said that this was one of the stranger cases of uh, uh, police brutality on African-American that I've ever seen or heard. But um, I was asking y'all, did you hear about the latest shooting? The one that happened a couple of days ago, ironically, in the Dallas area in Fort Worth, Texas. Yes. No. Yes, I have. What do you know about that, Jingles? Uh, just what's been reported it was a young lady. She was in her home, and uh, a neighbor calls, and her door was open, and uh, cops were called in, and they shot through her window and killed that, her. That's right. She was, a, she was 28 years old. Um, her name, I believe, was Atashiana. I hope I'm pronouncing that right, Jefferson. Mm-hmm. She was a med student. She worked in the pharmaceutical in- industry. Mm-hmm. And it didn't make any sense why the cops would do what they would do. Don't aren't cops supposed to knock on somebody's door and question before they shoot? It's time for young people to take over. And the fact that I'm not going to be a Democrat no more, I'm going to be an independent. and I'm going to be looking for progressive candidates that want to move this country forward, even if that person happens to be a Republican. But they're a person that wants to move the, uh, the country forward. And yes, there are some decent Republicans that really are about good ideas, then so be it. I'm tired of milk toast Democratic candidates from Hillary Clinton to Michael Dukakis to John Kerry to Al Gore that, that reflect, basically, they reflect Republican interests, not Democratic interests. The Democratic Party, I remember, was people like John Kennedy, um, was people, even to some degree, even though he had his faults, Lyndon Baines Johnson. People who actually, despite what they really believe, wanted to move this country forward. And it's time that we get back to that. And like I said, my generation, we've had our share. The last four presidents have been have been from my generation. More than likely, the next president is either going to be from my generation or from the next generation older. It is time we go to your generation, Generation X or millennials, the leadership. And that's and and that's it. And and like I said, at that point, I'm dropping the mic. It's your show again. <laughs> do you think that? Uh, just a question. Do you think that um, church leaders? We have not seen a lot of church leaders 
in these fights like we've seen back in the day. You're right. There are a couple that, you know, come to mind that still, I mean, Al Sharpton is still out there leading. He's got his show on MSNBC, but he, he during the weekend leads protests. And I'm sure this last situation um, that happened the other day with Miss Jefferson, I'm sure he's going to be out there. He normally, you know, normally the families ask him to go out and he'll go out and do it. But the truth is his national action network is more about money. Um, back in the day, the leaders that did it, they did it, you know, out of their own hearts and for what they believed in. And we don't have anybody like that. The closest person that I know is like that is Bishop um, William Barber of the, uh, the Poor People's Campaign. But, you know, you're right. We do need more of that. We need people that are selfless and want to give themselves up and they want to and understand that this is something that's beyond their individual means and may be going on, obviously, after their own lives. And that's what I mean. I'm not trying to be no leader or no, no, or no saint or anything, but that's my objective. That's what I try to do. More of you is not just, you know, um, a political page or a blog. It's a movement. I wanted to start this originally because of Michael Brown's killings a little over five years ago and, and police brutality. And I was trying to figure out a nonprofit way to do it. Yeah, when uh, when the uh, shooting happened at uh, the Charleston shooting happened, uh, right? You know, we immediately you know knew that this was tragedy. First of all, and then two, we went ahead, we handled it. It there was no big ups to that judge who who went ahead and said, "Well, no, there's no mental case with him. He knew exactly what he was doing." Asked because they were trying to say he was a mentally ill person, but the evidence was there, and we pretty much handled it. I say, see well, South Carolina, South Carolina has always been a leader in politics. Um, you can go back to the days of Strom Thurmond, of course. Yeah. Um, but but even on, on the Democratic side, obviously, it's it's arguably the most important primary we have right now, because if it wasn't for South Carolina, Joe, Joe Biden wouldn't be considered even a front runner because he's getting a majority of the black vote. And, you know, they're, they're spending so much time there because of the black vote there. Um, so, and of course, on the Republican side, you have the Lindsey Grahams, you have the Nikki Haley's, you have so much, I mean, South Carolina has a major history. I can even tell you a little history about myself. I, I, I think, as I told you before, I went to USC, right? One of my political science classes, I was taught by a guy who's a well-known South Carolina politician, a right wing, but he's a brother named Armstrong Williams. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who, who was a major influencer in the Reagan administration. And he was trying to uh, tell us about supply side economics at the time and how important that was. And I know I can't curse on this show, but uh, <laughs> obviously I didn't agree with his conclusions. And I found out later that he's a cousin of mine. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that that works out the way how it usually does. Yeah. 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 <laughs> But, you know, that's just to say, um, Jingle, South Carolina is always, whether you're talking from the right or the left, I mean, and even you're looking at James Clyburn, he's the, he's the you know, he's basically the third most important uh, Democrat in Congress. And he's been that for a long time. South Carolina has always been a power in politics. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm sure it will continue to be. And again, it's going to have a major influence in what happens on the Democratic side. Now, fortunately, on the Republican side, from what I believe, 
um, as they've done with the first few primaries. There are no, going to be no primaries because basically the Republican Party is in the, uh, in the pocket of Donald Trump. And even though he has three opponents that are running against him, they decided to award him all of the delegates without a vote. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. 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 That's just... It's, it's, it's a very uh, alarming time in our history, hist uh, but it's happened before. But unfortunately, here is where I'm like the anti, and I'm going to specifically talk about the Black community. Okay. It's, um, we have let go of morals that we held so closely to. We have let go of morals that we held so and values that we held so close to us because we got to this part where we thought we've arrived. Even our Black History Months are not running the same. A weekend of singing gospel was not Black History Month. And, and I also look at, because I've worked in corporate America, a lot of our people who are in positions that can help each other would choose to go a different route because we get back into that whole, and while it's not the same, but it's sort of the same, the whole paper bag act, who is, who is what, who is on what social, uh, part of what social circle. So a lot of things in our community, which I, this is what I mostly focus on, needs to be looked at differently. We need, we need to kind of go back to those strong roots and stuff because we were, we were a community that was together, but now we're so separated and, and the technology world is not making it any better. The world of social media, that is. I agree with you, Jingo. I think what happened was this. Um, when I was growing up in the 60s, most of us grew up in poorer communities um, in what they call ghettos, but we didn't realize it was a ghetto and we bonded together. But once, you know, uh, and I, I'm insane from my generation because I was a kid, but once our parents became more successful, they bought houses, they bought bigger cars. Um, I remember back in the 60s, we were riding on the trolley. I don't remember, I think my father had a car. My mother didn't have a car. So we rode on the trolley and then, or the buses or we got around, you know, and and uh, she uh, basically sewed uh, collars for a living at piecemeal. She didn't even have an hourly wage. It was based on how much she uh, she was able to sew the uh, army collars. And that's, she, it was called the uh, piecework, how much money she made. Um so we were, like I said, we were poor, but we didn't know we were poor. But now economics has changed it where so many African-Americans have advanced and gotten so many stuff. And now we have so many African-American millionaires and now billionaires that we forgot where we came from as a community. And we don't have that same link that we once had 50 years ago. And somehow we have to find that back. I mean, I'm getting ready to go to L.A. this weekend for the 35th anniversary of when I graduated from college. And while I enjoy going to SC every year and uh, a lot of well-known people actually are there too. What I like about going there is that people put away all that stuff and they just have a good time. They talk to each other like they, they did when they knew each other in college, but there's still not enough of that bind where we're actually working together. It's like, I got mine, you get yours or, are you important enough for, for me to talk to or what are you doing or how much do you make or what kind of car you have? All these material things. And like you said, we've gotten away from the God part that we, you know, we've gotten away from the church like community that we used to be where we put God first. Now 
God is about getting the next Mercedes Benz or, or BMW or whatever the, 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 hap, the car is or the, the big house. Um, it, it's gotten, it's, it's become too materialistic for society. And it doesn't matter whether I'm here in Jersey or whether I'm in California or where I used to live in Las Vegas or New York. It's the same thing all over again. It's about what people have and keeping up with the Joneses, co-signing with what Jingle said. I, I believe that we're not, we're, we're not a community that's into God and into each other as much. We're more concerned about material things and how to get to the next material thing versus, you know, what's best for our community anymore. Um, and it's a shame. And, and you know, I, I don't like to be the kind of person to try to go backwards and try to say things that back years ago was better than they are now because there's a lot of things that are great with technology and I think the world gets better. But as a people, we've kind of lost that conscience that we once had for the love of other people and the respect of other people that we had outside of our families. Now we've become so insular um, and, again, so materialistic. The world has changed, and I'm not sure that we can ever get back to that. Um, nor do I, I don't know if, if we're going to get back to putting God first either, um, Jingle. That's a that that's a good point you brought up, uh, Jingle and John. Uh, you know, it takes me back to a quote, uh, one of my favorite quotes by Quincy Jones. And he says, "Once you start talking about money, that's when God leaves out the room." That's an excellent point. And I, I can quote another one that will make you laugh. How about some Biggie Small? More money, more problems. <laughs> right on point <laughs> so I kind of want to ask an, a question and I'm going to put it towards the reels so with the the whole Tyler Perry you know studios has been has had the grand opening for the public you know so we give him the accolades because he's done something quite phenomenal you know extraordinary even um when it comes to black filmmakers, what would you like to see more of? There've been, um, you know, so much advancement in what black filmmakers have done over the years. You know, um, you know, we go back to the early black exploitation movies. We last time we talked about Black Caesar, um, to what mm -hmm. the things that Spike Lee is doing, um, to what the Hughes brothers did to uh, Gary Gray. I mean, there's so many uh, filmmakers now, black filmmakers now, it, it's an outstanding thing. Um, I just think that what they want to do is, 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 is make more pictures to tell the truth. As long as they're telling the truth and, and they're keeping up what's going on at the times, I don't have any problem with what they're doing now. Um, I'm always curious as to where they're thinking. I, I happen to I hate to tout my own school, but I happen to know a couple. Obviously, I, you know, I knew John Singleton. Um, yeah. And I also know, I don't know if you remember Rusty Cundiff. Yeah. Um, I, went to, I went to school with Rusty Cundiff. He's a, unfortunately, he's an alpha and I'm a kappa, but he was a good <laughs> brother. We used to work on evening show, um, soul shows that my frat brother Perry Brent used to do back in the day. So he and, he, and he's a good um, storyteller. He, a lot of the stuff that he's done recently hasn't gotten out as much. Um, I think the last movie he did was about some kids back in the 60s drinking the wrong water fountain, but it, it was on TV. I think it was on TV one. But if, if we have good storytellers like that, 
And unfortunately, we lost John Singleton um, that tell the truth about what's going on. But that can also put a little entertainment in it as well. Um, I'm good with that. And I, I always look forward to seeing new new people. And hopefully, even though I know Tyler Perry got a lot of criticism for the kind of um, shows that he makes, um, the truth is he does employ a lot of African-Americans. This studio is going to be one of the biggest studios out there. And um, hopefully, you know, he'll advance with his own projects and will also put other people on. Um, younger people who may have different ideas than him to advance it, that this won't just be another, you know, Paramount or Warner Brothers studio that's just about money making factory and he'll just go into the, you know, to, to the dry land of those other studios just about making money. Not that wasn't that long ago. I want the Tyler Perry studio doesn't become another Paramount or 20th Century Fox or another studio that's just all about being a cash cow and making money and, and worry about do, having projects that are about money, that they're about telling good stories. Um, and like I said, I look forward to the future in black filmmaking um, because I think that there are a lot of stories that are out there to tell. And I think there's a lot of good creative people, you know, as well as the ones that I mentioned earlier. And I hope that, um, that there continues to be creative. And yes, I'm going to tout my alma mater again. A lot of them um, do come out of SC. Uh, another brother that I know who I used to play basketball with, who actually came up at the same time as a guy named Ron Mosley. Um, he does a oh, lot yeah. of television shows. He's uh, he's one of the directors and producers of the uh, of the neighborhood. Um, mm -hmm. But he also was with Different World back in the day, so he's been doing this for a long time. Wow. Uh, so there's a lot of people out there that's doing a lot of great work. And, and again, you know, younger generations to come, you know, hopefully they pass that on and we'll continue to see that. And hopefully Tyler Perry himself with this power that he has, will will do that as well. And that there'll be younger people that actually work on his guys in the studio that produce greater work. Cause I know he got criticized for a lot of things that he has done. All right. You know, he's basing it off some of this off his own experience and some of it is comedy. What one right. of the things I see being I'm a new uh, person that's going to step into the shoes of writing my own film actually right now and directing it soon. Wow, is, I look is, forward is, to it. Is that we have this law, we're all, everything is uh, so homogenous. Like Tyler Perry, he does his shows. You know, to me, it's comedy. Some people went too far. It's a lot of seriousness in the African-American community. And we're very, seem very harshly criticized for each other's uh, craft, even though it's like, okay, well, this is comedy. So we're going to go above and beyond. Uh, we're going to play this. If we see, oh, it's a bad reflection on us instead of looking at the art of it. He's actually making light of, you know, our lives. Do you think that uh, we need to sort of progress towards keeping ourselves in a certain bubble when it comes to our craft? No, I think, I think you got to have creative license. I think you have to do whatever you feel is out of your heart. Now I know you mentioned Tyler Perry in the comedies, but he also does the have and have nots, which is yes. a, it's, it's a pretty good soap opera. Mm -hmm. um, he also did um, the show the the, uh, the marriage movie. Um, why did I get married? Why did I get married? And why did I get married too? 
Right. Now, there was comedy in that, but there was also a lot of seriousness in that about marriage. So he does tell his message in a lot of ways. Like I said, I know he gets a lot of crap and criticism for a lot of stuff he does, especially the stuff that he used to do on TBS. Um, I can't remember the shows offhand, the Meet the Browns and, and those other shows. They, 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 they kind of came off, and I agree, it's kind of step and fetch it like. Um, but hopefully, I know he's he ended his contract with OWN TV and he's going to be doing some more stuff that's supposed to be more serious on BET. So we give him this poetic license to do what we have. I don't think we can tell artists what to do or not. That's, you know, that's a control from a political standpoint that we don't want to go toward. I think we have to let artists have their poetic license and not have control on it, because then that gets into governmental stuff that we don't want to go through. Um, and then, like I said, let the public decide what they choose to like, don't like, criticize or not criticize or move forward and understand, you know, that that we as African-Americans have our history of all kinds of things. Um, um, obviously, you want to go back to Amos and Andy and uh, Gone with the Wind with Hattie McDaniel and all that. I mean, there was a lot of negativity associated with those things, but those things did bring us forward to where we are now. So we have to understand with the good comes the bad and we let people choose, you know, what they like and don't like and not worry about, you know, the so-called image. Now, you know, there's going to be stereotypes that are out there and white people are going to believe what they're going to believe. But those people that are going to believe that they, there's nothing that we can do to stop them from thinking that way. Anyway, all, all, all they're doing is justifying the things that they already believe in anyway. So no matter what we do, then that's not going to really change the thought of people. Um, we just have to know that within our own community that we're comfortable with who we are and, and, and be able to critically think, think about things before, you know, we actually react to it. Y'all still there? Did I lose you again? Oh, no, 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 no. Great point. Yep. And I think that, um, did you have anything else, Doc? Uh, I had nothing at the moment. Jasper, Jasper, we, we haven't got much from you, Jasper. You have anything? Yeah, for the most part, yeah, it's, it's just been a ball listening to everything that he's been saying, uh, Aside from when technology has made it a little difficult, but um, overall, it's been a good show. Great, great. Well, John, if you can, uh, Jasper and Doc Freeman and myself, we want to thank you so much for giving us this interview. You've been a real sport about it. I mean, you are just excellent. Thank you. Thank you. Can I can I can I promote a couple of things before you you throw me out? I was just about to ask you to do that. I just want to say a couple of things that I'm doing. Um, and uh, that I have done and that I'm going to be doing next week if I can. Yes, please. Okay. One, um, I just did a show uh, with a brother um, named, his name is Junius Ricardo Stanton here in Jersey. He has a show on, I believe, hamberbay.com called The Digital Underground. And he, he just interviewed me um, on Thursday. And that, that's going to be on there as well. Um, so, and I believe, I think this, the, uh, the site is, is hammerbay.com, but if you can look it up by his name, which is Junius Ricardo Stanton, he is, I Googled him. He is on there pretty prevalently and you can find it, find a digital underground. 
And I was featured on that show um, Thursday. And I, I just got a note from him while I was talking to you that it is up to be listened to. Um, I'm going to be doing another podcast, I believe, sometime during the week. I haven't gotten the date. And I want to continue talking about the Amber Geiger um, and now the story about Miss Jefferson, because I really think that's an interesting story. I am going to be doing a debate watch this week during the uh, debate. It's going to be Tuesday night. I believe it's covered by MSNBC at eight o'clock. So for two or three hours, um, if you want to jump on with me, if you want to make comments about what's going on in the debate, we can do that. The last time, last debate, we had a lot of fun. A lot of interesting things came out. And then the next day on the 16th uh, at 8 p.m., I'm also going to be doing another more of you live. This time I'm doing the vlog because uh, I haven't done one in the last few weeks. And I'm going to be talking about all the things we talked about today. In other words, and talking about, obviously, the current news in terms of the impeachment and, and what happened during the debate. So a lot of stuff is going on. And then I'm headed to Cali next weekend to take some rest. So much needed rest. Nice. <laughs> yeah, much needed, but it's going to be a long year. And, uh, and like I said, I, and, uh, by the end of this year, um, because I'm, I'm getting ready to have bariatric surgery, I'm going to shut it down for a couple of months. So it'll be interesting. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to be able to do or what I can't do. I'll try to do as much as I can. Um, but we'll see. It'll be an interesting time. But for now, I'm going to do as much as I can before I have surgery. Mm. Wish you much success for that. And uh, behalf of Reels and Popcorn, we want to thank you again for being a great, great sport and coming on and sharing Moore's view. And I, I love that title. And um, we look forward to having you on again. Thank you. And I, and I just hope that we don't have to redo this show again, that it'll be a brand new show. <laughs> <laughs> but I thank all of y'all. Y'all are a blessing, and y'all continue the good work you're doing out there. Absolutely. Thank you. Likewise, sir. Yes. Cool, guys. And good, good, luck, uh, good luck with the movie project, Jingle. And if you ever want to have a couple of contacts or you need some people, like I told you, I name-dropped some. Um, yes, you did. But I'd be happy to help you. Jasper, you got those names, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Thank you, Mr. Moore. We appreciate it. Thank you. You're welcome. God bless all of you.